I love the Macy's Mother's Day gift guide. I use it. It has the perfect gift to make all moms feel special. You can shop by price. You can shop by category. They have gift lists. You know, they have a list for the mom who has everything, one for grandma. And you can get top gifts like the Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag. I love a crossbody bag. Or the thing that my mom loved more than anything, the Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. Love starts with you. You heard me. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that set a shining example for the world to see. From big feelings to small messages, beautiful hand-finished jewelry from Pandora radiates with your love from every angle. Pandora has a huge selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms. There are endless ways to show what's in your heart. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. everyone. Hi. Today is Golden Ticket, Season 5, Episode 19. This was written by Mindy Kaling and directed by Randall Einhorn. It's a big day for Michael. Oh, it's a big idea for Michael. It's a big idea day for Michael. (laughs) Here's your summary. Michael decides to execute a Willy Wonka-themed promotional idea. He is going to take some golden tickets. Mm -hmm. He's going to hide them in some paper shipments. And any company that finds a golden ticket gets 10% off. And it's not limited to one. Well, we're going to find that out. (laughs) Yeah. This idea is going to backfire. He is going to pressure Dwight into taking the fall. But then that backfires. Yeah. A lot of ideas and a lot of backfires. A lot of layers here. Playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Pam, Jim, and Andy are all giving dating advice to Kevin. It's somewhat conflicting. Kevin's a little confused, but he's going to try to make a connection with Lynn from Blood Drive. Mm-hmm. From their Lonely Hearts mixer. Lynn is still in the mix from yeah. the mixer. Yeah. Let's get into fast facts. Fast fact number one. This episode contains... Maybe one of the most famous office gifts of them all. You GIF? know what I'm talking about. A GIF or a GIF? It doesn't matter. You know the one we're talking about. Is it GIF or GIF? I don't know, guys. I've never known. I'll never know. Let's ask the two hip young people Please, in the Please, young people, tell us how to say it. I say GIF. What do you say? No, I say GIF. Sorry. I think the correct one is GIF, but it feels <gasps> wrong. But everyone I know says GIF. It's kind of like gift, but you take the T off. So I, I think it's GIF. Well, I've been saying GIF. I say GIF. There you have it. Also, what's a meme? <laughs> what, what is a meme? A GIF is if it moves and a meme is if it's still. And also, I mean, people say GIF is correct, but keep in mind it stands for graphics interchange, whatever the F is. So it starts with a G. So it would be GIF, right? Graphics, G. Yeah. We right? can put a poll in 
office there it is okay we'll put a poll but yeah okay people tell us okay is a peanut butter i'm just saying i like it you know i don't know well you're putting a poll and since i brought it up are you a crunchy or a smooth peanut butter smooth same get your peanuts out of my peanut butter (laughs) so there is a very famous gif or gif oh i said it wrong again well, we don't know if you're we saying it wrong, lady, but it's true. When right? Dwight looks at camera and has his hand up to his face. It's at the end of the cold open, and he says, it's true. That's everywhere. It even made it to USA Today's ranking of the top 36 gifts of the office. It's true was number 13. What's number one? Number one. That's what she said? No, but that's on the list, but it's not number one. Number one was Michael from the Super Bowl cold open when he says, oh, my God, it's happening. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's stress relief. Stress relief. Yeah. Where they're doing the fire drill. Yes. Do you want to know what number two is on their list? Is one of my favorites. It might be my number one. Don't throw garbage at my head. No, it's Kelly. (gasps) It is. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) But I would like to say that number 12 was Jim and Pam's air high five. We made it on the list. So I'm proud of us. I don't know that Angela Martin is on the list with dialogue, but I'm on every list if you type in eye roll. You've got an eye roll. I've got an eye roll. And I've got a real good one in this episode I'm going to point out. Fast fact number two Speaking of the cold open, which gave us this famous gif, it's all about knock-knock jokes. Mm -hmm. The guys are doing these knock-knock jokes with each other, and we'll break it down fully when we get there. So I watched this episode with Lee, and he said, isn't it amazing how the knock-knock joke is so universal? That if one person walks up to another person and says, knock-knock, you just know to say, who's there? Yeah. And then you know you're in a knock-knock joke. How did that begin? Well, uh oh, somebody hit the Google button. Yes. As a lady who Googles, I'm going to give you the history of knock knock jokes. I want to hear it. So, the first written coupling of knock knock who's there, the first time it sort of appeared anywhere, people believe, is Shakespeare's Macbeth. All roads lead back to Shakespeare. That's why it was so important to mm-hmm. study it in theater school. Hey, I studied Shakespeare. I believe you. But I studied it in my writing class. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Act two, scene three, the porter is very hungover and he has this monologue where he repeats, knock, knock, who's there? And then he tells you who's there. He's sort of just kind of in his head. Tis I, a Montague! (laughs) (laughs) But in this play, it is not a joke. He's not doing like a jokey thing. It's not like what it is now. So now cut to, it's the early 1900s, and there's this new kind of comedy on the scene. Ooh, what kind? It's like a call-answer comedy or like a bait-and-response comedy. And here's an example of one of these jokes from the 1900s. Someone would say, do you know Arthur? And that would make the other person say, Arthur who? Mm. And then you would say, Arthur-mometer. Yes. That was one of the jokes. My kids would love that one, saving it. Well, it's very similar to that whole up dog joke. The what's up dog. Mm. I don't know. What's up with you? Right. Right? That Michael famously botched. So then 
in the mid-1930s, this kind of like pun mania morphed into what is now the traditional knock-knock joke. Cartoonist Bob Dunn is credited with inventing this joke in its current form. He wrote a book called Knock Knock Who's There? And it's basically filled with knock-knock joke puns. It sold like two million copies. It took off like crazy. It was a Jeopardy question. Get this. What? Knock-knock jokes were especially huge in Pennsylvania. Oh. Versions of knock-knock jokes started appearing in advertisements. The Edgemont Cash and Carry Grocery Store in Chester, Pennsylvania, ran an ad that said, knock-knock, who's there? Don, Don who? Don, forget to do your shopping at the cash and carry. Yeah. Don, forget it. There was also this one. Ready? Knock, knock. Who's there? Rufus. Rufus who? Roof is the most important part of your house. That was a roofing company. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But politicians started using them. There were like special clubs Mm -hmm. called knock, knock clubs. That formed in Illinois and Iowa and Kansas. And I guess knock knock clubs. You would just go there and tell your knock knock jokes? Yes, it was Come like on. a place to have a drink and share your greatest knock knock jokes. Then in 1936, at like the peak of the knock knock joke craze, there was a song called The Knock Knock Song by Fletcher Henderson. And I'm going to play you a clip. Oh, my word. <laughs> Many, many, many thanks to you. Who's there? Cecil. Cecil. Cecil have music wherever she goes. Yeah, I love it. A whole song full of knock knock jokes. So then, lady, mm-hmm. there is a backlash. Oh, people turn on the knock knock. Well, all of these psychologists start coming out. Like Sigmund Freud Uh and A.A. Brill, they start saying that people who have an incessant need to make puns have a psychological condition. Oh, no. That it is like a sign of narcissism. Oh. A German neurologist named Ottfried Forster said manic punning was a certifiable syndrome, and he actually called it Forster syndrome. He named it after himself. I mean, aren't you being a narcissist, Mr. Forster? I mean, I don't know. You're telling me that people that love and pun are narcissists, and then you name it after yourself. That's right. I just want to point that out. Yeah. Well, despite their best efforts, knock knock jokes have stayed around. We still have them today, of course. They appear in this episode of The Office. Halloween is coming up. That's when I always hear the knock knock jokes. I think it's like kids. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? Ha. Don't cry. It's oh, just a joke. Got it. Um, knock, do knock. you have any that are, like, what are your favorites? Well, this this is the one I remember from elementary school. Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? I remember that one, too. <laughs> this is my kid's favorite. What? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Oh, my kids like this one, too. (laughs) I know that one. Interrupting cow. Uh Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the lady has Googled. We have gotten to the bottom of the knock, knock joke. 
What's your fast fact number three? My fast fact number three is that supposedly coming out in November 2021, there is going to be a Michael Scott Funko Pop holding a golden ticket. Oh, is he going to be dressed like Willy Wonka? Yeah, he's going to have a little top hat on. I saw their rendering for it, and I don't know how accurate it is, but they're saying this is going to be a new Funko Pop based on this episode. Well, that's so fun. I just think they're all so cute. I'm about to get one of Angela in her Fun Run outfit. You know, I don't have a single Pam Funko Pop. Come on. I don't have one. You got to get one. I guess I do. I have one of me and my cat. And now I'm going to have the fun run one. But that's so cute. The Willy Wonka one is going to be so cute. Well, if you're into merch from this episode, I also found that you can buy a frameable golden ticket, just like the one that Michael is putting in the boxes. It was on Amazon. Wow. I don't know why you would want that. But if you do, it is a veil. If you're having a Willy Wonka themed party. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I was curious. Do you think Michael is being the Gene Wilder? Willy Wonka or the Johnny Depp? I think he's Gene Wilder. That's what I thought too. But Gene's blazer is purple and Johnny Depp's is maroon and Michael's is maroon. But he's doing all the somersaults and I the know, I know, dialogue I know. from the Gene Wilder one. I agree. I agree. Those are all my fast facts. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we have a delicious surprise. We have a guest. Yes. Oh, we can't wait to talk to him. Oh, I gave a little bit away. Okay, it's a guy. He's tall. And his name is also a weather condition. All right. We'll (laughs) leave you guessing and then we'll be back. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because... You can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I'm loving Hungry Root. Oh my gosh, yes, Jenna, we're loving Hungry Root too. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, kids' snacks and meals, and vitamins and supplements. Well, I took the quiz over on Hungry Root, and oh my gosh, they nailed it. One of the things that I really wanted was I wanted a salmon dish that was quick and easy. I said I wanted to cook food in less than 12 minutes. I was very ambitious. This was one of the choices. And they sent me a miso salmon that, oh my goodness, it blew my mind. And it was easy. It was maybe five ingredients. So tasty, so fresh. I loved it. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Office Ladies listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash OfficeLadies to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash OfficeLadies. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. 
When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up, did I leave a window open, things like that? Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe home security today. Simply Safe was named best home security system in 2024 by the US News and World Report, and Newsweek ranked it best customer service in home security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space. You know, I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Is someone on the phone? Hi, it's me, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson? Rain, what are you doing? Why are you calling us? Well, I just wanted to see how you guys doing. I, I missed you. I miss you. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to know if you want to hang out. Oh, I, I do want to hang out. I would like to hang out. Great. So when are we getting together? You tell us. You know what we want to do, Rain, for reals. We had this on the text thread. We want to come to your house and listen to Creed and play your the son guitar. play guitar together. And I want to see your new place and I want to meet your pigs and your zonkey. Have you heard about our newest pet sensation? No. Oh, the peacock. We have Alma the peacock. And now, Rain, did she just walk on up or did, like, how did Alma get there? So my wife had a horse for a long time named Gus. And Gus was a very old, white, lipizzan horse, and he passed away this summer. He lived a rich, full horse life, and, and he died very quickly. So it was, it was, that was all fine. But his stall was empty, and they put a vase of flowers in there, and it was just kind of left empty as a kind of a salute to old Gus. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, no joke, and Gus was white, by the way. Two weeks later, out of nowhere, sitting in Gus's stall was a white peahen, a female peacock. Oh my goodness. Whoa. It, no one knows where it came from. It had never been seen there previously. It hadn't been seen in the neighborhood or the area of where my wife's horse, where she rides her horses. And it just moved in to his stall. And so she kind of trained it to eat feed and, and it couldn't stay there because it was spooking some of the horses because it would flap around and squawk. <laughs> and so she trained it to eat feed and go into um, a carrying container bin. And we took it to our house and it made the transition perfectly. And you guys, Alma is amazing. And she sleeps during the day when she's not hunting bugs. She sleeps <laughs> in the olive tree right outside my office window oh. and just stares in at me all day. So if I'm like podcasting or on Zoom calls or whatever, I have a white peacock staring into my office. This is all I could ever hope for, Rain. I'm excited about my hummingbirds. If I had a peacock in my tree, I'd lose it. I mean, Rain, it's That's Gus. That's so cool. It's, it's Gus, right? right? My friend said if there was ever more proof needed for reincarnation. Now, I don't know about, I don't know that I buy reincarnation, but I mean, it's, it was magical. It's a magical experience. It's it's kind of crazy. Well, there's something happening there. Yeah, I was going to say, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, there's just something beautiful in the universe that happened right there. That's right. 
Yeah. So besides now our pigs that live at our house, now we have a peacock who's very demanding. Holly, my wife, just went crazy. She bought like a, a big box arrived yesterday and I opened it up and it was filled. I'm not kidding you. It was filled with mealworms. Ew. <laughs> Two like 20 pound boxes of bag oh. of mealworms. Where do so, you keep those? Yeah. How God, do you refrigerate God them? Save like what, what do you do with the meal? How, where do you put a mealworm? You just put them in on the ground, and then she eats the mealworms. But in between eating. Not my wife, the the peacock. The peacock. We got that part. (laughs) Well, Rain, listen, we're so excited to have you on. We know you've been on before, and you've sent in audio clips, and you're always so supportive. But we realize there are just some real general questions we ask our guests, and we never got to do that with you. And here is the one we always lead with. Are you ready? Okay, hit me. All right. So... How did you get your job on The Office? Is it true that you first auditioned for the role of Michael Scott? Tell us your office origin story. Oh, I have a great office origin story. Um, I love to tell the story. It's fantastic. I was starting to do this show Six Feet Under, and I was just at the very beginning of of that show. And that was right when HBO was starting to take off. And um, it was a very widely, highly regarded show. And... um, I got cast in this Janine Garofalo comedy pilot for ABC. And, you know, it was a very small role, but I was like, hey, you know, it's an amazing paycheck. Um, This is great. I'm going to be a series regular. It was my first, like, real stab at a series regular job, and which is a lot better money than doing a guest star, just for those who are listening and wondering. And I was very excited about it. Um, Bob Odenkirk was in it. Mark Marin was in it. It had a what? really kind of great cast. <laughs> and I was walking to the table read. Wait, wait, Rain, some... Rain, what was it called? Do you know the name of it? Oh, boy. It'll come to me. <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't remember right now. Oh, okay. Real life, still life, something like that. I'll look it up. Real okay, life, go on, go on, like go that. on. I can't remember. Um, and I was on the way to the table read, which is something that actors, you do at the studio or you used to do. You all sit in a room behind a table and you read it out loud and all the executives are there so they can kind of see the cast together, get their energy, hear the rhythms of the read, give notes, et cetera. Very common occurrence. On my way there, um, I ran into this NBC executive that I knew uh, at the time um, who I had met a couple times. I don't, I forget why. And I was like, oh, hi, it was Vernon, Vernon Sanders. Oh, we love like, Vernon. Vernon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's at Amazon now and a nice guy. And I was like, hi, Vernon. And he's like, hi. He's like, what's going on? And he goes, well, I'm so excited because we just landed the rights to the BBC office. And I had seen a couple episodes. My friend Sam had them recorded from someone in England on a VHS. It was before they were like available in the United States. It was really early on. Uh, I had seen them and I just loved them. And I, and inside and outside, I was like, oh, that's great. That's great. And inside, I was like, oh, God damn it. I want to be in that show. That show that show's so awesome. Oh. And so I was like, okay, see you later. Went to the table read. This is one of the most um, incredible experiences. In fact, Kent Zvornak was the producer on it. Oh, my um, gosh. Wow, Kentopedia? Yeah. So we did the table read, and this was an infamous event. We did the table read. It went so bad that... It, the the plug was pulled uh, immediately. They canceled um, it. They didn't. You didn't even shoot it. 
They did not shoot it. They had sets built. We had plane tickets. We had hotel rooms booked. We, I was supposed to fly the next morning and then start shooting in like two days. And the table read went so poorly. We found the name, by the way. The name is Slice O Life. Slice O Life. That's what I knew it had life in it and an S. <laughs> but so all of a sudden I was free to do the office. So I called my agent. So I was like, I'd really like to audition for this office. And yes, I was, I was the first person to audition on the very first day. Allison Jones, the casting director, kind of knew me from Six Feet Under and some other things. I was so excited. And I auditioned for both Dwight and Michael on that first day. And she keeps threatening to release my Michael Scott audition. It is <laughs> truly terrible because I just did a Ricky Gervais impersonation. I didn't know what else to do. So I was kind of pulling on my tie a lot. And um, it was, but Dwight, I knew, I was like, this is completely in my wheelhouse. I know exactly who this person is. This guy is in my DNA. I have cousins who are really not that different <laughs> from Dwight Schrute. And, um, the rest is history. Well, Rain, I remember being paired with you during the screen tests. Yeah. And they were mixing and matching us. There were like four Pams and four Jims and four Dwights and a few Michaels. Bob Odenkirk was one of the Michaels, which is so crazy because I guess he was available as well since Slice of Life didn't go forward. And Ken Zabernak right. was available. Yeah. Wow. We really we got a lot of folks from Slice got, of Life. got lucky there. We scored. But, Rain, I remember being paired with you, and I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Of all of us, of all of us, you were 100% there from the beginning. I feel like from that moment that I did that first audition scene with you, everybody else I was paired like I was paired with John and I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And and Steve and everybody. But Rain, you were just like I didn't even know where Rain began and Dwight ended, or <laughs> Dwight began and Rain ended. I mean, it was so fluid. It was amazing. But you were I have to say there's a mutual admiration society. Um, for those who don't know, Jenna was totally in Pam, dressed as Pam. You were reading the book uh on John Belushi, Wired that you thought Pam would be reading. It was in and the script that she was reading it. So I read the whole novel. I read the whole thing. I was like, my character read it. I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but you were Pam in the waiting room, too. I, um, But that was so much fun. And we had, I don't know if they'd ever released that audition, but that improvisation where I was just sitting, I was kneeling like way too close to you. Yeah. Like, which is, Something I love to do as Dwight is like he doesn't have an understanding of like personal space. He does not. So he could be talking to someone like four inches away from them. And I thought I always thought that was really funny. And um, where I talked about my girlfriend being stationed in Kuwait mm -hmm. and um, that was very funny. And you just and it was such a great improv because most actors feel like, oh, I'm improving. I need to talk a lot. You know, they think like, oh improvisation means talking a lot. And this was an improv where I kind of did this monologue and you just gazed painfully into space, just <laughs> taking in my body odor and my proximity and the strangeness of my story. And it was, it was fantastic. And when we did that, I was like, Oh, I know that we're going to have these parts. Yeah. 
I felt that way too. And I felt at that audition, it was very clear to me that you were their choice. Um, Do they keep pairing different people with Rain? Because that's how you know. You know that's the person when they're like, oh, let's see him with this person and this person and this person. And I only got paired with him once. And that made me a little nervous because it was very clear to me that Rain had the part. And so I was like, oh, well, can I pair with him again? They mostly a lot of different gyms. I remember reading with a lot of different gyms. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the reason they said ultimately they went with John, um, I mean, obviously he's charming and handsome and funny and great deadpan and smart as hell and likable, but that his size was comparable to mine. There were a couple other gyms that were like five foot seven, and it just seemed like Dwight would just overpower them. The gym was actually taller than me, so we kind of like, we really matched up kind of energy-wise. That makes sense to me. Yeah. That does. But then they went a whole other way with your romantic life and they picked the tiniest person <laughs> in the office. Tiniest, <laughs> tiniest little sprig. Yeah, with- but I didn't think they knew that Dwight and Angela were going to get together. They just were, I don't know where that storyline came from, but I imagine they were just kind of floundering in season two. Like, oh, we got to mix things up. Like, Because at first they had me together with Kelly. They had me kiss Kelly Kapoor. But Angela was furious. Angela watched it and was furious. Ah. Uh, Remember, yeah. they had me like look in the camera. Like they made me look so like they kept saying more anger, more. I was like, oh my God, my eyes are going to pop out of my head. <laughs> but I think I think our writers just sat there. Jen and I have talked about this and we've talked to our writers about it, how they would just take two names and put them on a card and just see what that felt like and sort of spitball a little bit about what those two people would bring out of each other. Right. And and that is one thing that Greg talked about. And I remember, and it's really great lesson for comedy writers and screenwriters. He said, a lot of shows really focus on a character and like, oh, let's make this character really specific and funny and interesting. But he was really about like, when these two, two characters bang up against each other, that's what she said. Then what do <laughs> what happens? <laughs> what happens with that energy? You know, so it was more about he was much more about dynamics between characters. And I think that's one of the successes of the office. Well, this episode that we're talking about today, Golden Ticket, has a classic Michael Dwight pairing. And we just I love in this rewatch watching the way that Dwight can be both Michael's lackey and then also like you can take him to task. You stand up to him. What was that like for you? You were in this comedy duo with Steve Carell for seven years playing out moments like this. What was that experience? Well, that's a bunch of questions, and I'll let me I know. I, 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 that's how I like to interview people. She I, just I, likes I, to throw, good. like, 13 big, overarching, like, yeah, huge questions. Yeah, thematic questions all at once. I love it. Well, <laughs> let, let me hit that one. Let me just say that, you know, when I look back on that work with Steve, um, uh, I'm just so grateful because he's obviously, like, one of the greatest actors, comedy actors, but even just actors like ever. And the fact that I got to do so much work with him was just such a gift. Um, I didn't come from an improv background. I was always good at improv, but I went to theater school and I did Shakespeare and I did Eugene O'Neill and I was in New York kind of off, off Broadway 
theater guy. And Steve was from Second City and had done years and years and years of improv. So that was his thing. Um, but the thing about Steve that I'll, you, you know, they always have this, it's kind of become a cliche, like the yes and, you know, like in improv, if you say like, hey, um, you know, I, I've, I bought a pet peacock, um, then you say yes and, and like, oh, I'd love to see it. Can I feed it my mealworms or whatever? And Steve was incredible at that. No matter what I did, um, and I was, sometimes I would try to go really out of the box. Steve would completely react, um, in character and, uh, and accept what was being proposed. Yeah. So I could just in the, cause obviously we would, we would shoot a scene, we would improvise. I mean, we would do the script, we would shoot the script and make sure we got it scripted correctly. And then we would, could improvise. And then sometimes it would just, we'd just freely improvise and just go off. And I, I remember just being like, I could say something like, um, I've decided to open a llama farm just out of nowhere or something. And Steve would just listen as Michael, take that in and be like, wait, what are you talking about? Llamas? What, what does that have to do with anything? Why? What? You're so weird. Dwight, ugh, go away. You're icky. Like, and it would just be completely in the moment. And I just learned so much from that process. Um, he never got kind of like, God damn it, Rain, why are you being so weird and so <laughs> silly? Like, stay on the point of the scene. And, and we could go way off kilter, you know, way off the path. And he would just be right there all the time. It was really uh, a privilege to work with him. I loved it when there'd be a conference room scene and clearly Michael had an agenda and things to say. And you, you as Dwight of all people would interject, right? And Rain, so many times I go to the script to see if it was written or improvised because I feel like I can tell now. <laughs> and uh -huh. they're always so good, but but it's like seamless. You would never know because of exactly what you just shared. Because Steve is Michael, no matter what you piped up and said, just like would just take it and run with it. And um, it was always like. An absolute joy. You know me. I'm a nerdy, nerdy improv gal. We've talked on the podcast that you and Jenna had your whole, like, we did theater. And yeah. Jenna likes to remind me of it, Rain, much like you did. <laughs> um, but as, like, a nerdy improv gal, watching you guys, uh, it was it was just awesome. I felt like I had a front row seat of just some really magical moments. And getting specifically to Golden Ticket, thank you, Angela. And But... Yeah, I hadn't seen this one since it came out, and uh, it was so fun to watch. And Jenna, just like you said, that dynamic of Dwight being toady, lackey, suck-up, just so desperate for Michael's approval, um, and then oddly realizing he's got some power here, and, you know, that switch when he's shaking David Wallace's hand, and he says you know, thank you, and takes the credit for it. And then <laughs> Steve's expression of was so priceless of like, oh, that guy. And then, and then your fight in the marketing meeting, <laughs> like when you get yeah. on the phone with the marketing guys, the two of you back and forth with your big ideas. Yeah, horse boats <laughs> um, and all the toilet, toilet, <laughs> toilet net. <laughs> he has a lot of toilet ideas. Um, you don't have ideas. Yes, I do. 
Um, I would love to see an extended cut of that because I bet that there were a lot more ideas we tossed back and forth in that scene. We should ask Dave Rogers, the keeper of all of the extra footage, because I Mm -hmm. bet you're right. There had to have been even more. Also, this one was written by Mindy Kaling, and she was amazing at coming up with on the fly, in the moment, extra stuff to hand you. I have to tell you guys, in the script, I reread it. Pam tries to butt in with an idea. What? <laughs> yes. And Michael and and Dwight shoot her down. It's the one thing they agree on is that Pam's idea is so stupid. She says, <laughs> as they're yelling all their ideas, Pam meekly just says, remote control toilets. And they're both like, nah, it's stupid. Doesn't make sense. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I wish they would have kept that. That's great. <laughs> we have another question that we've never asked you, Rain. This is a popular one we ask all our guests. Okay. Did you take anything from set when the show wrapped? Oh, this breaks my heart. Um, I should have taken so much more. I should have fleeced NBC (laughs) Universal. Um, I took Dwight's glasses. I took his little desk plate that said Dwight Schrute on it. I took his stapler. And one or two other things I can't quite remember i have to look around and see but i had a whole list of things i gave to phil shea and i said phil pull these aside for me and i'll get them from you later and it was you know dwight's briefcase and this and that and the other thing and blah 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 and um and phil was like okay and then i went back to phil and he's like uh i don't have them or i couldn't get them sorry blah 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 and then I heard from someone else. They were like, oh, they threatened the crew like, <gasps> to be fired and never work for NBC Universal again if they caught them taking anything from the office oh. set. And we didn't know why. And then they had that big auction where they auctioned all the stuff off on eBay. You know, even like Dwight's desk was auctioned off. Did you not get your bobblehead? I got one of the rejected bobbleheads that doesn't look anything like the bobblehead. I did not get my original bobblehead, no. I see. That's a And shame. I asked Phil Shea for the painting, the, the Dwight painting that's kind of where he's like Chairman Mao. Kind yeah, of yeah. And um, that didn't happen either. Well, Rain, you know, you've gone on to do so many awesome things, but we would love to talk to you about your podcast, Metaphysical Milkshake. I listened to a great episode last night. When um, you had Mike Schur on. Yeah. And that was so amazing just talking about what is good, what is bad. And he sort of like folded in his show, The Good Place, into that episode. But you and Reza are so thoughtful and you're really asking life's big questions. And it's a great listen. Yeah, thanks. Well, you you guys know this is something that's always been really important to me. And it was kind of the, the impetus and inspiration for starting Soul Pancake, the digital media company that um, we, we I created with some friends. But this whole idea of life's biggest possible questions has always really intrigued me. You know, I took philosophy in, in college, and I love, you know, studying spirituality, and I love, you know, psychology and sociology and kind of creativity and how creativity works and why. And so this was kind of the, the foundation for Metaphysical Milkshake, um, our first season we did on this company called Luminary, but that didn't really work out. So now we're doing a second season 
which is available wherever podcasts are are available and including a lot of the stuff we did for our first season. And um, it's super fun. We get to talk to just artists and thinkers and writers. Um, we just yesterday interviewed Avi Loeb, who's the head of the uh, uh, astronomy division of Harvard University, talking about alien life um, and discovering extraterrestrial life. And, and then we had Jason. Speaking of office auctions, Jason Isbell is one of my favorite kind of country rock. I love musicians. him. Yeah, he's so great. Yeah. He came on the show talking about like what music is, like where does music come from? Oh, I need and to go listen to that one. He bought years ago, he bought his wife Dwight's scissors from the <gasps> NBC auction. <laughs> Whoa. Oh Isn't my Isn't that crazy? Yes. yes. Well, Rain, I listened to your interview with Adam Grant where you discussed this concept, what if I'm wrong? And this yeah. idea, our, our resistance as people to consider that you might be wrong, or even what I loved when you guys talked about how when you know you're wrong, but the cost of admitting you're wrong, um, that idea of like, there's that social cost. Oh, no, if I admit I'm wrong once, people will paint me with a brush that, oh, that's the person who gets things wrong. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was so thoughtful. I love that kind of introspective discussion that makes me think about things that maybe I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. It's a great yeah, podcast. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that one up because I feel like this is kind of where our country is. It's very stuck in kind of two sides that are convinced they're 100% right and no one's really talking to each other and learning and listening from each other. And when you go to life's biggest questions, these are the questions that we've been asking since the caveman days since ancient Greece, you know, um, you know, why are we alive? Do we have free will? What's the meaning of it all? And this is a, these discussions can unite us, you know, so that's really the whole purpose is to um, unite people by getting young folk thinking about talking, wrestling with, you know, the human experience. Well, Rain, at the end of your podcast uh, with Reza, you guys do this sort of rapid fire of questions. And yeah. I love when you ask people, when do you most feel connected to the universe? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but it's something like that question, right? Um, so when do you, Rain, feel most connected to the universe? Wow, you're okay. You're, you're hitting me with my own, uh, <laughs> my own weapon. That's what she said. The, um, that's a profound question. And wow, no one's ever asked me that before. You know, you know, so I meditate. That's part of my daily practice. Um, but I'll, but I'll have a new answer to that, which is I've gotten really, really deep into tennis. Oh. And, and we joined a, a, a tennis club in this new little town that I moved to in California. And, um, I've been playing a lot, two, three times a week. And there's something really incredible about the game of tennis because it, it requires such focus mm -hmm. that when you're playing it, you're just completely in the moment. You have to be completely in the moment or you will screw up and hit the ball out. So it, it forces a kind of um, uh, like a, a focus uh, and that allows one to be like connected. When I'm playing tennis, like time doesn't really exist in the same way that exists in my regular life. My anxieties go away. And um, oh, 
I know that's not a terribly profound one, but I have truly been felt feeling connected to the universe through tennis. I think that's great because I think for me, I have to get out of my head sometimes and get in my body. You know, when mm-hmm. I get nervous or anxious about something, I stop everything. I put screens away. You know, I love tennis as well. Um, but I like to just get in my body somehow, whether that's a hike or just going on a long walk, just anything to just get back in my body and get out of my head. Um, yeah. And I just love that. Rain, do you remember working on my serve with me on the side of our soundstage? I had my racket and um I was telling you I was struggling with my serve. And so we went to the side of the building where the hair and makeup trailers were. And you had you had me work on my toss. And then I would hit it to, onto the side of the building. And I oh did. My God. And you told me my toss was horrible. It was like all about my toss. <laughs> my toss wasn't high enough. Did you feel connected to the universe as Rain told you your toss was horrible, Angela? <laughs> I felt frustrated, but connected. <laughs> That's so funny. I, isn't it funny how it must be old age? I have no memory of that. But um, <laughs> that's uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. How is your serve these days? You know what? It's much better. It's much better. I, I do toss higher, um, but I also throw that's myself cool. at it in a way I didn't before. Maybe it's like being 50 and having, you know, like the past few years of like, just like craziness, I throw myself at that ball in a way I haven't before. And my tennis coach is like, I oh, got some power there, Angie. He calls me Angie. Nice. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. It's a, I'm, I'm like low to the ground rain. I've got a good torque. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. You guys, um, what a pleasure being on your show and thanks for the, the deep dive and God, what a, what an amazing pleasure it was watching Golden Ticket again. I, that's a really, that cold open too. Um, the KGB and the yeah. knock knock jokes is, it was so good. That's such, there's so many classic office moments throughout it. Right. But, um, I have to ask since you brought it up, how did you guys get through that cold open with slapping each other? I mean, because if you broke, you'd have to do it again. And obviously you didn't want to have to keep slapping yeah. and getting slapped. But I mean, how would you do it? People always ask, like, how do you keep a straight face? It's like, I didn't keep a straight face. You didn't, Rain. YouTube. You didn't because I watched the bloopers and yeah. you are one of the top breakers. I would just laugh all the time, especially John and I. We would just make each other laugh. We could look at each other's eyes and know a laugh was coming. So I don't remember, but I am certain that especially that little last section when John was like doing the KGB, (laughs) that I'm sure I was crying with laughter and we had to cut, you know, at least a dozen times. I also, I mean... Listen, the bookend of this is that it starts with the KGB and it ends with the KGB and the tag. And you going back and forth with the time when he's like, I'm busy. And you're like, what about 445? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that. I was like, I know those guys were laughing. Yeah, I'm sure we can fit you in. Yes, 515. <laughs> oh, Rain, thank you so much for calling in and chatting with us. We love you. You are our most frequent guest on Office Ladies. That is your title. It belongs to you. And we love you, Rain. And we love you. We love your heart. We love, you know, you have such a heart for service, Rain. And I've always admired that about you. And we're just excited for folks to hear Metaphysical Milkshake. And I love it because then it's kind of like, you know, 
you're in my bathroom with me. No, that's weird. No, like I was listening as I got ready. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. Congrats on the success of uh, Office Ladies. I hope it launches an Oprah-esque empire for the two of you. Thank uh, you. We'll receive that. We love you, Rain. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. I want to come right. meet Alma. Yes, come over and meet the peacock. That's we will. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, folks, you know I have a lot of family in Texas, and I just want you to know, if you travel to Texas, there are vast landscapes, cultures, regions, destinations, activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. You can have fun in the sun. Texas has 350 miles of coastline. That's right. Or if you like more of a rugged vacation, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, and the food. Can we talk about the food? Tex-Mex. And barbecue. There's live music, art museums, cowboy experiences. Come on. Right now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-the-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. So you go in there and you click your interests and it'll say, here's where you want to go in Texas. Mm-hmm. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. If you love tequila cocktails, then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a one-of-a-kind tequila that is infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible. 21 Seeds makes the most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds. Diageo, New York, New York. I just love that fella. I beyond love him. I love him. Rain, thank you so much for stopping by. And now, lady, we got to get into this episode. Let's do it. You know, we've talked a little bit about this cold open already, but we haven't really broken it down. So let's get into it. Pam is on the phone. She's trying to give someone like maybe a fax number. Mm -hmm. I want to point out at 10 seconds, Nick is still in office all day. <laughs> in the uh, in the, the note, in the yeah, post-it note. There's the same post-it note from last week. It's on the Penn Star post-it paper. Nick in office all day. He's still there, folks. <laughs> so Michael's going to come over and he's messing with Pam. She's trying to give this phone number and he's like, Fiverr, nine, three, two, like trying to mess her up. She hangs up and she's like, Michael, that makes us look so unprofessional. Yeah. Well, he can't wait. He's been there because he has a really good knock-knock joke for her. That's right. Knock-knock. Who's there? Buddha. Buddha who? Buddha this bread for me. <laughs> And then he sits a stick of butter. It's been in his hand. It's not even in the wrapper. I know. I'll have you know, it was not scripted to be unwrapped. But on the day, we just thought that would be really funny. And originally, my line in the script, when I look at the butter and the everything on my desk, I was supposed to say, you're making a mess. But I changed it to, there's butter on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was like such a great little find in the moment when we were rehearsing. It's very Pam, though. It's like, 
people leave trash on your desk. <laughs> they the throw things at you. It's just a statement. It's like resignation. It yeah. is. Now there's oh, butter on my desk. Now there's butter on my yeah. desk. That's my day today. Well, Dwight is super excited about this knock-knock joke, and he wants in on the fun. He's got a great one. Yeah, and he's like, Michael, please. And Michael doesn't want to hear it. He's like, please. And I just feel like we got to hear Dwight's knock-knock joke. Let's do it. No. Okay. God. Michael, please, 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 please. Please let me. All right. Knock-knock. <clears throat> Who's there? KGB. KGB. Leave us the question. What the hell was that? What are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. like the slapping fest and then jim has to get in on it yep do we need to hear that one no more knock knock jokes that's it ding dong who's there kgb try get the door i'm not answering answer the ding door dong. no way it's yeah, the kgb ding dong. i'm not answering that yes you're going you to answer i'm not gonna answer i'm not gonna answer it's the kgb the kgb will fit for no one <laughs> it's true it's true and there's the it's true. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're going to start the main plot of this episode. Michael arrives to work dressed as Willy Wonka. He's so excited. He points out the jelly beans. What are these? Pam's like jelly beans. She's like, no, they're extraordinary jelly beans. <laughs> he's like so ready for his performance. And he shares that he's put this golden ticket 10% off in different boxes of paper, and someone's going to get it, and their day is going to be full of whimsy and excitement and fantasy. Here is what the golden ticket says. What? This whimsical promotion saves you 10% off your total order with Dunder Mifflin, Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's what it says. This whimsical promotion. In the conference room... Michael is just like already taking credit for his great idea. It's such a great idea. He needs everyone to come in the conference room and talk about how we need more good ideas like this one. He says, and this is like something like people that do this crack me up. He goes, it might be the best idea ever in, mm -hmm. the, in like the history of ideas. <laughs> You're like, okay, buddy. Here's what I don't understand. He's written on a board, marketing, greatness, Michael. <laughs> I didn't get it. It was very amusing to me. Well, his job is to profiligate great mm -hmm. ideas. I guess so. He really wants the group, though, to tell them their golden ticket idea. He knows his golden ticket. A golden ticket? Yeah. Jim's like, well, we could rent out our trucks. He's like, eh, no, post-it notes, right? Golden ticket. NASA, lots of golden ticket ideas there. Andy's going to say golden girls and a few other things. That start with the word golden. That start with golden. Golden grams. Um, look over his shoulder. Angela Martin, one minute, 59 seconds. Major eye roll at Andy. Angela eye roll. Yeah. She thinks Andy's an idiot, guys. She was only engaged to him just two seconds ago, but she's over it. Well, now we're going to move to the kitchen. Andy and Kevin are at the table. Pam and Jim are over by the counter. And Kevin really wants to ask out Lynn. Mm -hmm. And he's just getting a lot of advice from these guys, conflicting advice. I have two background catches that just delighted me. Oh, all right. Number one, these guys are both eating donuts. I noticed that. And I swear to God, those are the donuts we got every morning because Kevin's donut is my donut. The Sprinkles donut. Yes. And Andy had the powdered sugar. Okay. Background catch number two. I love it when our show does this, when it takes an object 
from a prior episode and pops it back into a new one. Ready? Four minutes. I think I saw it too. Kevin's coffee mug? Yep. Kevin's coffee mug is the same mug that Kelly gave to him at her customer survey party. You know, everyone's face in the big star. But what about Andy's mug? Andy's mug is the same one from Moroccan Christmas. (gasps) And it was featured in a deleted scene I talked about when Jim and Pam decide to shop within the office for Christmas for each other because they're so broke. Jim goes up to Andy and asks him about his mug. And it's in the bloopers. It was also in the script. Two coffee mugs from two prior episodes. I love that. Well, later in this episode, if you look at Oscar's desk, he's going to have his America's Got Talent mug too. Ah, love it. Well, this whole Kevin and Andy and Jim and Pam storyline was much bigger in the actual shooting draft. And there are a few deleted scenes and things I want to share. First of all, this is the scene that would have set up this whole storyline. It's at the beginning of the day and they're getting in the elevator. Kevin, Jim and Pam, and who rushes in at the last minute because she works in the Scranton Business Park. But Lynn, can we hear it? Hold the doors, please. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Lynn. Did you get my message? Um, yeah. I've been really busy. Oh. It's okay. Yeah, I'm probably going to be busy for the next 20 days or so. So, yeah. You're going to be busy for the next 20 days or so. I thought you liked Lynn. I do like Lynn. That's what Andy told me to say. Aha! Uh-huh. Right? So Jim and Pam are learning that Andy has been giving Kevin some pretty bad advice. Yeah, he likes Lynn, but tells her, you know, I he didn't return her messages and he's going to be busy for 20 days. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Jim and Pam can't let Andy do this to Kevin. So they start giving him advice, right? Just ask her out. And in the deleted scenes, you really get a sneak peek into where Andy's brain is at. You got to hear this talking head. I was raised to be a gentleman around women. But when your fiancé is Satan, that doesn't work. So I have some new ideas and new techniques, and I'm trying them out. Kevin Malone is my guinea pig. Oh, man, I wish that had stayed in. Doesn't that explain it all? It does. I mean, I think I was able to realize that the reason that Andy is being this way is because he's still reeling from his breakup with Angela. But that really would have been great. I know, because, I mean, I don't think Andy's a bad guy, but he's clearly hurt and acting out and using poor Kevin. Well, listen, Jim's going to get a phone call now. Guess what? What? His client, Tom, has found a golden ticket. Tom from Blue Cross of Pennsylvania. Our biggest client. Uh Uh-oh. Oscar, how much is that going to cost us? Michael wants to know. It's going to hurt a bit. (laughs) Well, what about this? Guys, Tom found all five golden tickets. Holy moly. Did they say one per customer? Nope. Nope. Our biggest client just got 50% off. Their total order with us. I mean, this is a huge win. Talk about winning the golden ticket. He sure won all the golden tickets. He won all of them. This made me think, Jenna, have you ever won like a really big ticket item? I don't think so. I called my mom because I know my Aunt Anne 
has won things. Like she signs up for, you know, raffles and things and she's won trips. Like really? She, yeah, she's super lucky. And I was like, Mom, doesn't Aunt Anne win a lot of things? And she said, Well, you know, your dad won a very big ticket item. What did your dad win? And I was like, Mom, what are you talking about? And she said, Well, this was before you were born. And Jenna, this story just delighted me so much. One, because you know, my dad's passed away. And so any new information, because, you know, you play every memory, you look at everything, but anything that you hear about someone you loved who's no longer with you, you just, oh, it's like this beautiful, wonderful thing. So my mom said, oh, yeah, before you were born, we had just moved to Lafayette, Louisiana, and the school was having a fundraiser and they were raffling off a brand new pink station wagon. <laughs> what? She said it had a cream white top and your dad went and donated some money and signed up and he won the car. Your dad won a pink station wagon? Yes. And she said, and it was a very good car and we drove it for a long time. <laughs> Do any of your sisters remember this car? I, I was like, my sister Billy said she remembers it, but I was like, oh my goodness. And my mom's like, I know we have a picture somewhere. I said, mom, please. <laughs> and I have to see it. And she said, oh, Ange, your dad was so tickled that he won that car. He was so <laughs> excited. <laughs> and she said, and it was a light pink with a cream top. <laughs> and they drove it around for years. I love that story. I know. It made my day. You know, I have been pitching for years a documentary series that I call Little Winners. <laughs> and it is all about people who have won not the lottery, mm -mm. but raffles. And they get something like this car mm -hmm. or like a new recliner or like a trip, right? Mm -hmm. And how did it affect their life? Well, little winners. No one will buy it from me. No one wants to make it. I pitch it all the time. Why will no one make little winners? I love little winners. We could do it as a podcast and have the winner on. <laughs> they could tell us all about it. Here's the thing. You know, I like to think about my parents. They were young parents. They had three young girls at this time and what that car meant to them. And then I also think about the car dealer there in Lafayette, Louisiana, and how the school Probably the superintendent was buddies with the guy at the dealership and was like, what What do you got that we can raffle off? And he's like, well, that pink station wagon. I can't. No one it. wants it. We can't sell it's it. A, it's a write-off. Yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Well, so, amazing. So Michael is spiraling out, though, because he's realizing Blue Cross from Pennsylvania getting this many golden tickets He's going to get fired. And Jim is upset, too, because that's his commission. Oh, right. Right? So Michael is going to storm down to the warehouse. I love the beginning of this scene. This scene is brilliant. He goes barreling in going, hey, 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 you idiot, to Daryl. And Daryl says, start over. <laughs> so good. I was like, I'm keeping that. I am keeping that. The next time one of the kids has a moment where they're sassing me, I'm going to be like, start over. Exactly. And then Michael comes back with, sir, <laughs> that was all in the script. I looked that up. So I did had I. To know. So did I. Michael's like, Daryl, how could this happen? How could this happen? And he says, I put three pallets on the truck for Blue Cross every week. Where were you putting the boxes? Were they near each other? And Michael's like, I need to ask you something. I need you to be honest with me. What is a pallet? <laughs> so good. So good. 
David Wallace is not happy. He calls. Pam takes the call. Mm -hmm. But Michael is sort of sneaking out of his office. He's taken off his Willy Wonka outfit. Yeah, he's getting rid of the evidence. Yes. He's like, do not. I am not here. I am not here. So Pam has to say that he's at a civil rights rally at the Lincoln Memorial. Which I want to point out is in Washington. Yeah. He's gone to mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., I guess. In the same day, he's going to go to a civil rights movement in Washington, D.C. and get a colonoscopy in Scranton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Michael tosses his Willy Wonka costume into a dumpster. He's now wearing a Pioneer's football shirt. And I had to look this up. This is a minor league football team from Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, that played in the AF2. And they had a really strong season in 2009 when we shot this episode. It's kind of like perfect that he's wearing this shirt because they only ended up losing two of their games that year. They made it to the playoffs. Then they made it all the way to the Arena Cup, which is like the Super Bowl of AF2 football. They ended up losing, but it was like a great, great season for them. They were kind of on a roll. Their previous season had been good as well. I love it. I love every time we have. Every single time. These local references Mm -hmm. on the show in ways that don't even get mentioned. Right. We never even mention this shirt, but there it is, Mm -hmm. just creating specificity. I love it. Michael's going to make an announcement, everyone to the conference room. He's a lot of announcements in this episode. Yeah. A lot of announcements. He's really, um, I think, just trying to find a way out. He says he has a big net where he takes all of their subconscious ideas and tries to turn them into something. And Michael's like, guys, guys, they're they're not going to fire us. We're fine. And Oscar's like, what do you call shutting down a branch? And then Michael says, someone needs to come up with a golden ticket idea to get them out of this mess. Mm -hmm. You know? And Pam says, do you mean an idea that blows up in our faces later? That kind of idea? That's some Pam sass. That is some Pam sass. So while Michael's up at the top of the conference room, he's wearing a suit jacket. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? Because the last time we saw him, he was at the dumpster in his Pioneer's football shirt. Right. I looked it up. It's Andy's jacket. He's wearing Andy's jacket. And there was a bit at the top of this scene that got cut where as they're entering the room, Michael says, Andy, give me your jacket. You can do something for me. I want your jacket. So that is why he's now wearing this odd jacket over his football shirt. Well, he's got to still look like the boss. The phone's going to ring now. Not good. It's David Wallace. Yep. Pam says Michael's having a colonoscopy. I'm not sure that David Wallace believes it. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Because he was just in Washington. (laughs) Michael gets on the phone with him and literally is reading off the procedure of how you give a colonoscopy off his computer. It's pretty amazing. But now it is clear. David Wallace says... The company is going to lose a lot of money. How did you let this happen? Whose idea was it? Someone's got to pay for this terrible idea. Michael tells David Wallace it was Dwight. Just so devious. I know. Oh, Michael. It's like David Wallace is just naming people. Mm -hmm. And he says, was it Dwight? And Michael's like, yes. Well, now Michael has got to convince Dwight to take the fall for him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get out his diary, and he's going to say, Dwight, I wrote it down that it was your idea. He tries to convince Dwight that Dwight is remembering wrong. (laughs) What happened this morning? 
now, you know, Dwight runs to get his diary. It's like the dueling diaries where they're going back and forth. Michael realizes he's not making any headway with this whole diary business. So he says, would you like to go out to lunch with me? Just the two of us. And Dwight says, with all my heart. This scene continues in the script, Jenna. So after Dwight says, with all my heart, he says, but I already ate lunch. And Michael says, it's 11 a.m. Dwight says, as a farmer, I eat breakfast at 4.30. At 10, I'm famished for lunch. If you wait three hours, we can have supper, maybe. Michael says, no, no, no. How about we do something else you like? Jenna, did you notice there are no scenes of them at the restaurant? They're supposedly going to have lunch, right? Because in the episode, Michael says, go have lunch. We don't know that Dwight's already eaten. All of that's been cut out. Right. And then the remainder of their scenes, they're on the side of the road. They're taking a walk. Well, here is a scene that was in the deleted scenes that I just love so much. Of all the things that Dwight would want to do, guess what he loves to do? Go for walks? Oh, lady, no. He likes a stroll. Are you still taking those strolls that you like to take? Thrice weekly. Okay, let's go take a stroll together. I thought you said my strolls were silly. No, just because you can't call them walks. You really want a stroll? (sighs) Yes. Do you want a power stroll or just a regular stroll? You call it. Power stroll. Okay. Are you wearing sunblock? Yes. What SPF? One. That's like water. <laughs> I'll grab my tube. Okay. Oh. <laughs> he loves a stroll. Clearly, it's like a whole thing with him and Michael about calling it a stroll or a walk. Then there's another scene where they're down in the lobby and Hank is there. And Dwight is putting sunscreen on Michael's face And Hank looks up and deadpan says, you found somebody to go on a stroll. (laughs) And Dwight goes, I did. And Hank goes, nice. This is amazing because we got a ton of mail because people were pointing out Dwight's shoes in the scene when he is walking, a.k.a. strolling with Michael. Tons of people said, why does Dwight have on very white, very non-Dwight trainers? Where did Mm -hmm. these come from? And I looked in the script and it says, Michael and Dwight are walking. Dwight is wearing sneakers and walks with his hands clasped behind his back. That was like a script note, but I'm sure it was all based on this backstory that Dwight strolls three times a week. He's got his sunblock. He's got his shoes. He probably has a little bag he takes to work. Clearly, Hank knows how much Dwight loves a stroll and how he's been looking for a (laughs) stroll buddy. I love it. I love it. I know, it tickled me. Well, this stroll is not going to convince Dwight. Dwight says, I am not going to fall on my sword for you. It's not going to happen. He's done it before. He's fallen on his sword, and it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't. Michael makes a pretty big speech to Dwight. He's like, listen, why would you want to stay here? Yeah. You're cooped up. You're not even dating Angela anymore. You have a whole farm. Yeah. And he says, you know, on the other hand, I would be lost without Dunder Mifflin. And Dwight says, what about shoo-la-la, Michael? (laughs) This is a Mindy Kaling thing, for sure. This has Mindy Kaling written all over it. And then Michael has a talking head where he says, I have an idea for a fancy men's shoe store called shoo-la-la. And it's just men's shoes for the special occasions in a man's life, like the day that you get married or the day your wife has a baby or just for lounging around the house. Yeah. Well, we got some mail from Kayla G who said... 
I just want to let you ladies know that Michael seems to have gotten Shulala up and running in Nelson, British Columbia. Oh. And I looked it up, and sure enough, there is a Shulala. According to their website, they are a boutique shoe store offering exquisite leather footwear and handbags from all over the world. They are a family-run business that has been around since 1983. Hmm. Well, I want you guys to know that there is a Shulala in Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> I saw that too. My town where I was born. Lafayette. And you know what? I love the slogan for their shoe store. If you go on their website, it's a clothing boutique and shoes. But their slogan is, life is short, buy the damn shoes. <laughs> that is amazing. So there are two Shulalas, Michael, but none of them seem to sell men's shoes. Oh, well, I would you love know. nothing more for Michael to have Shulala. Well, we have a great reverse talking head. Yes, I noticed. So Dwight is in Michael's chair and you pull back to reveal Michael perched behind him. Basically, in this talking head, Michael's like, he's going to do it for me. He's going to do it. He's going to take the fall. And Dwight's like, no, I haven't decided. Well, folks in the office are starting to catch on. They get it. They know what Michael's doing. He wants Dwight to take the fall. And they start gossiping about it. There's a scene in the kitchen, you guys, that was deleted where Meredith, Kelly, and Angela and Oscar are all being real chatty. And Michael walks in and overhears a bit. And he's spying on them from the bathroom. Let's hear it. Ladies. Really? That's... I hope Dwight gets fired and we get a hot new guy to replace him. Seriously? What if it's a hot new girl? Oh my God, I had not thought of that. I think it's horrible what Michael is doing. Really? I mean, this is unacceptable. Hey, did you ever notice that our bathroom is right next to our kitchen? How's that up to code? I don't know. This is not fair what he's doing to Dwight. Of course you think that. He's the Boma guy. I think men bone women. I hate that I'm correcting that. All I'm saying is, is that Dwight can't take the blame for this. It has to land on Michael. It's time for a reckoning. It's true. Okay. These are the kind of slice of life. Slice of life! Slice of life! You brought it back. <laughs> These are the kind of slice of life office moments that I love so much. Just the scuttlebutt. There's People, so much going on. Just the gossip and yeah. the opinions. Uh-huh. You know, I loved this scene and Michael overhears it, you guys. And there's a whole scene where Michael confronts everyone and he really lets him have it. He goes barging into the bullpen and he's like, hey, everyone, I need to make an announcement. And Jim is like, this is a new record. And Michael goes, that's because I have a lot to say today, James. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's ticked off. And then he goes around the room and he's like, Yells to the room, have you wondered what it would be like if I was fired? And everyone, super happy, raises their hand. <laughs> and Michael's like, damn it. I didn't ask for a show of hands. If I get fired and corporate brings in new leadership, you have no idea who might come. And then he starts singling people out. He says, you have no idea how bad it could get. Maybe it would be someone who knows that we don't actually need three accountants. I remember shooting this scene now. Yes, it's in the deleted scenes. Then he looks right at Jim and Pam and he says, or let's couples work together without sending them to different branches. 
And then he has this moment and made me laugh. He goes, so you didn't think about that, huh? So let's just bite our tongues instead of saying mean things about me when I pretend to be pooping in the bathroom, okay? But it was a long speech and he really just lets them all have it. I love this episode so much. I think Steve Carell just is brilliant in this episode. He's playing so many different things. We already talked about this with Rain, but I just absolutely love the Michael Dwight dynamic. I really loved this one. I did too. This was like one of those sleeper ones that we hadn't seen in forever. And we're like, oh my gosh, golden ticket. I agree. Golden ticket is a golden ticket. Well, now David Wallace is going to show up. He drove from New York, you guys. Yeah. David Wallace arrives at the office, right? Mm -hmm. This is a serious thing. Yeah. He goes into Michael's office with Dwight. You could hear a pin drop. And he turns to Dwight and he says, Dwight, I owe you an apology. Blue Cross was so excited about the Golden Ticket promotion that they have made Dunder Mifflin their exclusive provider for all office supplies. Huge! This is huge! And he puts his hand out to shake Dwight's hand. Michael is about to split in half. He's looking at Dwight like, you better let him know it was my idea! And Dwight shakes his hand. And says, thank you, David. (laughs) And now all the power has been flipped. Amazing, amazing writing. They go out into the bullpen. Wallace tells everybody. Dwight gets this victory lap. Pam hugs him. I loved doing that. I loved it. And then Creed's like, way to go, kid. I know. Creed is like, sure, it was Dwight. Jim is giving Dwight credit. And they are all watching Michael squirm. And then David's like, you know what, Dwight? You need to talk to the marketing guys in New York, in corporate. We want to hear more of your ideas, yeah, more of your brilliance. Pam, can you set up that call? And Michael's like, I could be in there. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got things to do. Come on, Dwight. Being in that conference room for that phone call was a delight. This was one of my favorite things to do. We've talked about this. I loved taking notes during mm-hmm. these comedic scenes. And, you know, pretty soon, Pam isn't going to be the receptionist anymore. I know. And this was the part of the job that I missed the most. Getting to be in these ridiculous situations with Michael. Being the note taker. Because they're on the phone and Dwight is just saying ridiculous stuff. And of course, Michael bursts in. Right, because it's really clear that Dwight doesn't know anything about Willy Wonka. No. Then call back, call back to a deleted scene, but that we love, the toilet buddy. That's right. This is a deleted scene from Job Fair. Remember, Michael comes out of the bathroom flustered because all the contents of his pockets fell into the toilet. Yes. And then he threw his cell phone in the toilet out of anger. Yes. And he says then that he had this brilliant idea about this mesh toilet guard cover. Mm -hmm. Now, Jenna, in the episode, Michael calls it the toilet buddy. Mm -hmm. But in the shooting draft, it was called the toilet guard. And I think in the moment, Steve called it toilet buddy. Because then he corrects himself as Michael. He goes, previously known as the toilet guard. Yes. So I think that's just Steve (laughs) staying in the moment, but catching that he had flubbed a line. And then Dwight mentions his idea called horse boat, which I love horse boat. You can go from riding to just being on the water. Yeah. (laughs) And then Michael hits back with toilet sponge. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was. It's more absorbent. The toilet sponge. It's more absorbent. So it's a toilet that's a sponge? No, I think it's a sponge for your bum. 
Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say. He we, just says, we're not sure. He says it's more absorbent. That's what he says. Now, lady, in this back and forth, this brought up a product that my friend Stacy and I invented in high school that we thought we were convinced was our ticket to being millionaires. What? It's called the tan baster. You know that thing that you wash your dishes with that you fill up with dish soap and it has a little sponge at the end? Yes. The tan baster is very similar, Angela. It has a little sponge on the end, but it's filled with sunblock. And you just baste it on yourself and your hands stay clean. The tan baster. Or you could get spray. Well, spray wasn't around yet, Angela. It hadn't been invented yet. You see, now we can go nowhere with the tan baster. But at the time... It could have been. There was a need. Mm-hmm. And clearly the spray has filled the need. But. And the stick. I love me a, you know, sunscreen stick. Yeah, and I get it. Okay. There's a lot of solutions today. But I'm taking you back to the 1990s yeah. okay. when none of these things existed except for goopy sunblock. And we were solving a problem. Also, we had the whole like television commercial, the whole infomercial in our head. Because you know who else could use it? Maybe older people who need to apply, Mm -hmm. you know, lotions because they have arthritis. Right. Or maybe they've lost range of motion and they can't reach some places. Well, that was the other great thing about the tan baster. It was like a back scratcher. It could go down your back. See? Tan baster. I think the name was part of the problem. Why? (laughs) Because every time you say tan baster, I just think of a turkey. On Thanksgiving, okay. Let all me take brown you ba- and crinkly let me with, take- with gravy. Let me take you back to the 1990s. This was, again, before we kind of knew about sun damage so no, much. No, 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 because you based a turkey. I know, and you based your body. You're going to get nice and tan if you use the tan baster. You know what I'm saying? This is when people wanted that. Right. They weren't into sunblock for the SPF. Right. Right? This is when you were still basically applying baby oil to yourself. With iodine. the sun. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, very The toilet passionate. buddy, the tan baster. Mm-hmm. Stacy, I'm sorry. We never got it off the ground. <laughs> oh, well. Stacy, somewhere you guys have a sketch of the tan baster, and I'd love to see it. We do have a sketch of the tan baster. You know I've been trying to work that tan baster into a lot of projects. For you and I. Lady, we're not going to have an office lady stand baster. <laughs> it's just not happening. Okay. You know what I want? Before we do a tan baster, I want a rosé. Okay? I think more of us would use the rosé. Let's put a poll out there. No! What do you want more? An office lady's rosé or Sam. an office lady's tan baster? You- I got to go with tan baster. Dang! I knew you were going to say it, Sam. I knew it. Why do you think I was going to say Novelty. No, because a lot of the sprays and sticks have harmful chemicals in them, like aerosols and things that are bad for you. Cassie? I'm Team Rosé. Yay! (laughs) Always going to try one. Well, you know what? Let's drink Rosé while we baste ourselves. Is it possible to baste Rosé into my mouth? Hey! Rosé baster! Perhaps. Oh, my word. Where are we? Oh, you guys, we got to check back in with Kevin and Lynn. We do, because poor Kevin has been receiving a lot of advice Mm -hmm. this whole episode. And guess what? When he finally does meet up with Lynn in the parking lot, he does just fine 
being Kevin. He says, I'm just going to say everything I'm thinking. She has a great smile. He'd like to take her for dinner and a movie. She says, yes, he's happy. And then he says, boobs. And she's delighted. Yeah. Lynn just likes Kevin. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lid for every pot. There is. Dwight's advice to Kevin was just go be alive next to her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked. And finally, we have our tag, a final knock-knock joke, a ding-dong joke, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about this with Rain. This one is so hilarious because Dwight thinks he's going to get Jim back. And he does ding-dong. And then Jim's like, you know what? I just got out of the shower. I need one second. (laughs) And then, like we talked about, they go back and forth with like, well, I can come back. When's good for you? It's like so ridiculous. (laughs) And that is Golden Ticket. We hope you enjoyed. I loved this episode. I did, too. And thank you, Rain Wilson, for coming on our podcast. That just gave me all the warm fuzzies for the whole day. I really do want us to go over there. You know, we have an office text thread. We've talked about this where the cast texts each other and we have all invited ourselves over to Rain's. So Rain (laughs) and sorry, Holly, (laughs) we're coming. We are. You know, you told us sometime after Labor Day. Well, it's after Labor Day. Guess who remembered the date you told her? (laughs) That's right. Of course. I want to go. Well, guys, we will see you next week. Please check out Rain's podcast, Metaphysical Milkshake with Reza Aslan. We love you. Love you guys. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.